Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Hey, it is good to see uh, each and every one of you. Hey, let me just let you know that next Sunday, Pastor Scott is kicking off our series on, the, on Abraham. Uh, almost said the book of Abraham. There is no book of Abraham. And so uh, Pastor Scott is kicking off a series on Abraham, on the life of Abraham. And actually, uh, Pastor Scott wrote this sermon series, and all the other campuses really wanted to do it as well. So I think most of the campuses are kicking that off next Sunday as well. And so you make sure that you're here. It's going to be a great, great series. Hey, so I want to talk to you today about salvation. Now, I know that this is, for some of you, this is going to be a message that you're going to leave here and you go, well, I knew all that. That's okay. You need a reminder, right? Sometimes we need a reminder of things. And I think that's what today is going to be for a lot of us. But maybe for others, it's going to be a moment where the Holy Spirit just takes the word of God and does something in you to maybe help you see God's love for you in a different way, what God wants for you in a different way, what God has for you in a different way, and what God commands from you in a different way. And so that's my heart today. That's my my prayer today, that God would use this simple message to simply make a difference in each one one of our lives. So I want to turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, I'm going to read a little bit of a lengthy passage. Um... And then we'll use this as our text today. Let's, let's, let's read. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you made a provision for our sin. Thank you that you made a provision for our humanity. God, thank you that when you saw that we had no hope, you came and brought hope. 
Lord, that when you saw that we couldn't forgive ourselves, you came and brought forgiveness. Lord, when you, when you saw that in and of ourselves we are prone towards sin and trouble and dysfunction, you came and brought your son to give us peace that passes all understanding, mercies that are new every morning, grace that is sufficient. Thank you. Thank you that you met, met us right where we needed you. Lord, today as we hear your word, we pray that every one of us would just stop and take a moment and consider our hearts and consider our lives and where we are and where you want us to be. Father, use these words for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. We're so familiar with this passage. Probably every one of us in this room could quote John 3.16. We're so familiar with this passage that it's easy to just skim over it and miss the essential commands or truths that Jesus gives us in this passage here in John chapter 3. We need to understand it because in this text we literally find the foundation of our, of our salvation. We find the foundation of our faith here in John chapter 3. It's a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Let me tell you who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was a very respected member of the religious community at that time. He was well-educated. He was a good man. He was a moral man. He was a wealthy man. He was actually a Pharisee. A Pharisee, uh, the Hebrew word for Pharisee means separate or separated. Uh, it was a select group who had a strict belief that their fellow Jews must obey all 600 plus laws in the Torah. The Torah was uh, the, uh, the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, what we would call the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And in, that, in those five books, Moses set, established the law and the Pharisees were there to ensure that people follow the law. Now, the problem is a couple of things is that if you fast forward or if you look there in the New Testament, you see that Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law, right? So Moses gave the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law so that we're not bound to these 600 plus laws, right? That we couldn't even, uh, uh, couldn't even obey if we tried. And so Jesus came so that we would not have to follow the law, that we would follow him, and that through his mercy and that through his grace, we would find the salvation we need. We need. And so uh, under the law, you had to do works in order to be in right standing. But under Jesus, he understands that no one's perfect but him, and his grace and his mercy and his blood covers our sin. The Pharisees would also add to the law. So, you know, um, someone once said, I didn't say this, but someone once said the sinner's Bible only has two verses in it. Judge not lest you be judged, and a little wine is good for the stomach. I, I didn't say that. Somebody else did. But you know how people love to quote, judge not. But even the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, right? Well, what would happen was this was that the Pharisees, they had 600 plus laws, but the Pharisees would add to the law, right? So if 
if, if they didn't like Frank, they would say, you can't wear a Saints jersey on the last Sunday of the month or the, whatever month, whatever Sunday this is, right? And then they would literally add to the law because they didn't like Frank. They didn't want it, so they made a law. And so what that verse actually means when somebody says, oh, the Bible says judge not. Well, you got to finish the verse. The Bible says judge not lest you be judged. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so what scripture is saying is this. Every one of us will be judged. But we'll be judged by the standard of God's word. And so when it says judge not lest you be judged, what it's saying is don't make your own laws. Don't make your own judgments. Let them be from scripture. So when the scripture says something is a sin, I can say it's a sin, not by my standard, but by God's standard. And I'm not going to be judged by my standard or your standard. I'm going to be judged by the standard of God's word. Right? So, so when they say, oh, you oh, judge not lest you be judged. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just declaring scripture. I'm just declaring the truth of God's word. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he was also a scribe, which was a smaller group uh, within the Pharisees who could perform legal duties like weddings and um, uh, marriage, uh, those types of things. Uh, they would actually, uh, they also compiled the Mishnah, which, was st- which is still used by some Jews today, which is 24 chapters on why they shouldn't work on the Sabbath. But he was also a group, a member uh, or a leader in a smaller group called the Sanhedrin, which was made up of about 70 people. They were kind of the supreme court of the day interpreting both civic and religious law. So Jesus refers to Nicodemus in verse 10 as the teacher of Israel, which lets us know he was a man of influence. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night probably because He was uh, respected because he was well-known. He probably came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to know anybody to know he was coming to Jesus, right? He was hiding. Oh, he, he had all this influence. He had all this money. He had all this power. But here he is in the dark of night coming to someone who has what he doesn't have. So what is the conversation between a religious leader in Jesus's day And a carpenter's son have to do with us. Well, it's in scripture here for us. It's in scripture for us to understand what it means for us to be true believers from Jesus' perspective. This is Jesus telling us, hey, if you want to be a believer, then this is what's required. Now, let me just say, there are a whole lot of people who would say a whole lot of things about being a believer. And I'm sure some of it is true and some of it is good. But if I'm going to go, if I'm going to try to figure out, I want to go to the source, right? And that's where we're going today. I want to give you five lessons learned from Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus. You ready? Here we go. Number one, a knowledge of God doesn't secure a relationship with God. A knowledge of God doesn't secure a relationship with God. With God, we see that in verses 1 and 2. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus has all this knowledge, and yet he comes to Jesus seeking truth. Listen, it doesn't matter how smart you are if you don't have truth. Right? You can sound really good, 
Right? Have you ever talked to somebody who's like, they just know more about something than you do, and they're just rattling off all these statistics, all this stuff? I don't know about you. I can be a skeptic. I sit there and go, and I, I just sit, I say to myself, I think he's just making all this up. I don't think he knows that much about dogs. <laughs> right? I don't think he knows that much about cream puffs. Man, a good cream puff right now. <laughs> I just want you to know, last week, I know some of y'all went and found cake. I know when I talked about cake, y'all, and y'all probably stopped at meshes on the way home from church. Did you bring me anything? Absolutely not. So he has all this knowledge, but here he is seeking truth. Listen, our culture is filled with those who somehow have decided that their knowledge of God secures a place for them in heaven. Many, many people claim to know him but it's on their terms. Listen, the numbers of people who call themselves born-again believers is really on the decline in America. But most Americans would say that they're born again, that they're Christians. The problem is 40% don't believe that the Bible is totally accurate. 50% believe it's possible that Jesus committed sin while here on earth. Let me just tell you, he was not just a savior. He was a sinless savior. Right? Because there were plenty of good men, plenty of good teachers. But Jesus was not just a teacher. He was not just a man. He was sinless. 60% 60 believe that good works will get us to heaven. Two-thirds don't believe that Satan or hell is literal. And only six believe in moral absolutes. Listen, these are people who consider themselves born again, and yet they do not ascribe to the teachings of Jesus. More than that, their belief system is contrary to the, teachers, uh, to, to, to the teachings of Jesus. So are they born again? Well, I'll let Judgment Day determine that, but I know this. You cannot be a believer on your own terms. We don't get to define what a believer looks like. Right? I don't know about your house. If, you know, we have teenagers, and so we have kind of a code of ethics, right? You can live here, but if you live here, you're going to have to do this. I, I posted a picture recently. Gabby, Madeline works across the street at the car wash, whatever direction the car wash is, right? And somebody messaged me and said, you make your daughter work? Absolutely. That girl better bring home some, some, some cash. They both work. Gabby works at Pink Paisley. I don't know if she gets any commission, but you go shop with her and say, put this on Gabby's account. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Listen, I want my kid. There's some things that we just expect and, and demand out of our kids. And there are some things that God has commanded us in his word. We don't get to be believers on our own terms. Listen, our churches, seminaries, Bible colleges are filled with those who know about God and yet they do not have the truth of God within them because what they're proclaiming is they're literally saying things that are contrary to this book. And they're literally saying, well, I, I know the Bible, but, but, but I believe in this day and age, listen, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's religion versus relationship. Religion is all about what you know about God. Relationship is, is that you know God. I don't want my kids to know about me. I want them to know me. 
God doesn't want us just to, listen, sometimes you, you talk to people about how much they memorize and how much they know about, about That's awesome. But do you know the author? Do you know the one who wrote the book? Second thing we learn from this conversation with Nicodemus, between Nicodemus and Jesus, is being born again is still the only way to God. Nicodemus, uh, Jesus says uh, in verse 3, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, right here, Jesus could have said anything. Jesus literally could have said, well, unless a man attends church every Sunday, he cannot see the kingdom. Unless a man gives a certain amount of money to the church. Unless a man tithes. Unless a man uh, does charitable work. Unless... Jesus didn't say any of that stuff. He didn't say being baptized, as amazing as today was, that's not getting anybody to heaven. Right? When we met with them before, we were reminded, listen, you're not being baptized today to be saved. You're being baptized because you are saved. Right? This is just an opportunity to make a public declaration of what God's done in your heart. So Jesus could have said anything, but what he said was, unless... You are born again. Jesus literally cuts through all Nicodemus' religion and man-made truth, man-made rules, and simply says, you must be born again. He starts by truly, truly. Some, some translations would say, I tell you the truth. Listen, I tell you the truth. You cannot get to heaven unless you are born again. Jesus was saying, listen carefully. This is an absolute truth. It's not an option. It's something you must understand if you want to follow me and if you want to spend eternity with me. Jesus shot straight with Nicodemus. Many times we want to make it easy for people, as easy for people as possible. You know, they'll go, well, I mean, doesn't the Bible, well, yeah, I mean, the Bible says that, but I mean, that's not really what the Bible means. No, that's what the Bible means. That's what the Bible means. But we want to make it as easy as possible for people. We don't want to offend them or we don't want to be too hard on them by requiring something out of them. It's very clear from this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus that something is required. And we must speak truth whether it offends people or not. Because listen, if you're taking this and you're watering it down and you're using it and you're not offending anybody and you want to make sure you make it palatable, you're not making disciples, you're just making friends. But here, Jesus shoots straight. See, as a society, I think we think because our politicians and our educators and some of our religious leaders no longer believe in absolutes that neither does God. John 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter what religious leader gets on a talk show on TV and says, well, yeah, but you can. I mean, there are many avenues. to No, there's one. There's only one street that goes to heaven, and it's Jesus, right? It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what your favorite pre- what you heard your favorite preacher say. Listen, Jesus said, no one gets to the Father but by me. So you can water it down all you want, but you're not doing anyone any favors. 
Again, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus states here is gospel or his truth has not changed and never will. The term born again here has lost its meaning. You know, when I grew up, we always used the term born again. We've, had to, we've really had to shift because it's, it's lost its meaning. It's been de- degraded to the point of allowing people to say they're born again and still lo- live how they choose to live. Listen, the question isn't, are you born again? The question is, have you committed your heart to Christ? Have you repented of your sins? And are you a Christ follower? That's what matters. Thank the few of y'all. All All right, so. Are you a Christ follower? Because that's what really matters. Listen, at the conclusion of our service today, I'm going to give you a chance to pray a prayer. I'm going to give you a chance to ask Jesus into your heart. And that's a starting point. What really, what really determines where you go from here is whether or not you shift for living for yourself or becoming a Christ follower, one who's obedient to the word of God. Jesus is very clear that if we want to see the kingdom of God, we've got to find out what it means and what it takes. Being born again is all about change. It's all about a new beginning. It's all about a second chance. Born again to begin life anew in a relationship with God, resulting in a change in the way one feels, one thinks, and one acts. The third thing we see here is this. True change only comes through the Spirit of God. True change only comes through the Spirit of God. Verses 5 and 8 through 8 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, so that means water there represents natural birth, right? Unless one is born both naturally and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Many people want to do it their own way. Right? That's why substance abuse centers are literally filled with people who have been there over and over and over and over again because they're trying to do it their way. Maybe it's why you've struggled. Maybe it's why I've struggled with some same habits, whether it's sinful or not, struggle with some same habits over and over and over again because we're trying to do it my way. You're trying to do it your way, Right? You know, me and the gym. I choose a gym by the vending machines, the snacks. I'm like, I went to the gym one time. I was like, where are you going with all those quarters? Girl, you know. You should see the selection. You mean the machines? No. Hostess. Listen, if we could bring about our own change, our all-knowing God would never have sacrificed his own son. We cannot change on our own. We need something bigger than ourselves. And he is our only help. He is our only hope. He is our only help. As a result of our natural birth through water, we were born into sin. Every one of us are born into sin. But as a result of our supernatural birth through the spirit of God, we have eternal life. 
Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the, man, by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Jesus goes on to illustrate his point by making reference to the wind. Jesus says, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And so it is with the Spirit of God. You cannot see him, but you can see the effect he has in our lives, in the lives of those who accept him. Gosh, when I look around the room, when I think about my story, when I think about my parents, when I think about, you can see, oh, you can't, we couldn't see that when the Spirit came into you, but we can see the, the, the effect it had on you. Yeah. You can look around the room, you can look at your spouse, you can look at your kids, you can look at somebody you know and go, man, I knew them before Jesus. They were a mess. But look where they are today. Worshiping the Savior with you. And again, we could take all afternoon, we could take the next several days and tell our stories and testify to the Spirit of God that's made a difference. When we submit ourselves to the truth of God, there will always be a change in how we act and how we treat others. 1 Corinthians 14, I'm sure I've said this before. First, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all those things. And sometimes we like to hang our hat there. But the Apostle Paul ends that passage of Scripture by saying this, now let me show you the more excellent way. Excellent, more, more excellent than speaking in tongues or prophesying or wisdom. Or, let me show you the more excellent way. And he goes into what we call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, who cares if you do everything in the previous chapter if you don't love people? Because the mark of Jesus' life when it was all said and done wasn't that he performed miracles. It wasn't that he, he was able to tell the woman at the well in John 4, the Samaritan woman, about her life and the amount of men she had been with. No, the mark of Jesus' life when it was all said and done was that he loved us enough to die for us. And we can be the most religious people we know, but if we don't love people, we don't represent the Savior. Number four, the born-again experience is a result of God's mercy. Verses 14 and 15 says this, and as Moses, he's referring back to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus takes Nicodemus, knowing that he was a man of the word. He, he knew the Pentateuch. He knew the Torah. He takes him back there to Numbers chapter 21. Can I read it to you? I don't have it on your screen, but let me just read this to you real quick. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul loathes and this worthless bread, the manna that God provided for them. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. 
Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. How many of you know sometimes we don't come back to Jesus until it costs us something? We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent bronze uh, serpent and put it on a pole and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent he lived this was a type and shadow of what jesus would eventually do and moses or, or, or jesus takes nicodemus back there it was god's second chance it was a picture of god's mercy that even though they had sinned against him he had another opportunity for mercy can I just tell you, not everybody's going to heaven. Only those who choose God's mercy. Only those that say yes to Jesus Christ as Savior. But it's not God's judgment that sends them to hell. It's the decisions that they've made that keeps them separated from the Savior for all of eternity. The question is, will we, will we receive God's mercy? You know, when we talk about God as a father, for some people, that's very, very difficult. It's difficult to correlate a father, or earthly father, who was very hard and judgmental and angry and maybe abusive with, a, with God the father who is very loving and merciful. Oh, he's got boundaries. He's got rules. He's got laws. He's got the word of God. But at the core of who he is is love. And sometimes it's hard to correlate that. Let me, let me just tell you, I don't know who your father was, but I promise you, God wants to redeem that for good in your life by being a father that loves you, by being a father that cares for you, that, be, that being a father who wants to spend eternity with you. You just got to say yes to him. God could have left us without hope. He could have left them there in the desert without hope to continue dying from the poison of our own sin. But his mercy, there in the book of Numbers, his mercy was greater than his anger. His mercy was greater than his law. Listen, he could have left up us without hope, but his love for us caused us, caused him to offer us mercy. The message of the gospel isn't us reaching up to God. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God reaching down to us. Listen, other religions are, is, are all about what it takes to get to God, to their God. Our religion, our faith, our Bible is all about what God did to reach us. What God did in order to save us. Lastly, the born-again experience is for everyone. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, everybody say whoever. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, it's amazing how many people have the idea that God is against humanity, heartless choosing some people and rejecting others. But John 3.16 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. slowness. I'll get it. 
but is patient towards you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, it's through our looking to Jesus, to Jesus as our Redeemer, and repenting of our sins that we are promised eternal life. I don't know who you are, but I promise you, you are a whoever. I don't know how many times you've been married, but you're still a whoever. I don't know what your childhood looked like, but I promise you that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It applies to you, and it applies to me. 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 says this, Whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life is the promise for the born-again believer, for the Christ follower. Let me ask you today, do you know a Nicodemus? Do you know a Nicodemus, a good person, a moral person, maybe even a religious person, and yet it's a person without Christ? Let me ask you a question today. Is there a chance that maybe you're a Nicodemus? That you go through the motions? And, and, and for you, it's all about making sure you don't miss a, mar, miss a beat and making sure you do everything right and making sure you're given to the church and you're attending church and you've been christened or baptized or you've been... And yet in the end, you've simply never said yes to Jesus as Savior. I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing. I'm just saying... At this point in time, it's just ritual. It's just religion. And the thing that matters most is not what you do. It's who you say yes to. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. If we confess with our mouth that he is the son of God and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you're here today and you just came to see a family member or a friend get baptized. And as amazing as that is, I think that you're not here just to see a baptism. I think you're here because Jesus loves you enough to speak truth to you today. Not from my lips, but from his word. And maybe you're sitting here today and saying, thinking to yourself, I've done all the right stuff, but there's still this emptiness. I still, I don't feel the fulfillment in myself that I maybe see in the lives and the eyes of the people sitting around me today. I promise you this, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, Jesus loves you. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross on your behalf. But you don't benefit that from that until you say yes to him as Savior. Until you turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and turn your back on who you've been, your sinful ways, and choose to follow a righteous Savior. But really, it begins by following. And then he begins to empower you to say no to those other things. If you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus as Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if you want me to include you in that prayer, we want to ask you to stand. We want to ask you to come forward. We want, we want to ask you to do any of those things. 
But if you want me to include you in that prayer, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are so that we can pray for you. Thank 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 you. Someone else. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm asking every believer in this room to pray along in support of you today. Listen, this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. We're just we're just helping the Holy, to articulate what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart right now. Would you pray out loud with us? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me, that I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all of my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those that made that decision this morning? Hey, stand with me, if you will. We just have one announcement this morning. I want to remind you that October 5th at the Lafayette campus, we are starting our women's Bible study about Esther. Uh, Miss Heidi Reisner is going to be leading that. Yeah, ladies, you do not want to miss that. Please, please, please be there. And then if you guys need any information about what's going on at Midtown, we, you can text OSC Midtown to 94,000. You'll be able to get all of the information about everything that's going on at our campus. And then lastly, we will have our prayer team up front, just like every week, ready and willing to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the words that you spoke to us this morning, God. We're so thankful that you gave us an opportunity. You gave people an opportunity to meet you for the very first time. God, we're thankful for who you are, for what you're going to do for us this week. We ask you guide us, guard us, and keep us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. See you guys next week.